This is really getting blurry. <laughs> Sometime in the uh, first half of the 1970s, Bobby and I found ourselves in the home of Chuck and Diane White as part of a home group. I don't remember now my first encounter with six-year-old Jeffrey Charles White during those days, but I do remember that I was taller than him. Thank you. This was the beginning of a memory file that I started recording as I watched Jeff grow. I watched he and his brother Brian befriend our boys and remember how they transformed our homes into other planets when Star Wars invaded theaters everywhere. I watched him grow as he played basketball and baseball. We attended graduations. We played family ball games together, went to ball games together, and watched ball games together. The years slipped by, and we were privileged to be a part of that great crowd of witnesses when Jeff took Denise Christmas as his bride. It was a white Christmas wedding. I watched he and Denise as they were blessed with three beautiful children. I watched Jeff grow when his dad died while pitching for the church ball team during a city game at one of UCR's fields. It was the summer of 1994 when he and his brother were cast into management at PCN, the family-owned answering service. Several years later, I asked Jeff to tell me about that day, the day his dad died. We were helping with a writer's conference at Master's College when we got the news, and I just wanted him to walk me through the day, perhaps to help bring some needed closure for me. So we agreed on a date, met at the same UCR field. I practiced this at home, and it was okay. We met at the UCR field, stood on the pitcher's mound, and shared stories with one another. By this time, Jeff was much taller than me. Then we prayed as we got ready to go home. I watched both Jeff and Denise grow as initiators and proactive workers in this community. It was family camp and marriage ministry and mission trips and so much more. Encouragement to young and old in this church have been a regular part of their lives, and hospitality has never been lacking. I observed a major step I observed a major step of grow, uh, up the growth ladder the first time I sat across the leadership table with Jeff at an elder meeting. I'm thinking, this is really weird. <laughs> Turned out it wasn't all that weird. With his contributions in the dialogue, his desire to serve the Lord, his gifts with finances and organizational suggestions, he's been a blessing to Bridges, the community, and the world. Both Jeff and Denise cannot hide their heart's compassion for people and their love for the Savior. Once people get to know them, they soon realize 
that they are more concerned with things that glorify God than they are about material success. They want to see people encounter Christ and discover the joy of walking in his steps. It's my joy, as Tom said, to be one voice for this part of the church to say to these friends, go with God's richest blessings as you are enfolded into another part of the church known as sandals. May God fill you with renewed strength and courage as you make yourselves available to touch the lives of many people, many families in this circle of friends across town. And dear Bridges friends, let us not forget as they make this move in obedience to the call of God, we are in this together. Remember the words of Francis Chan, God has called your church to play a role in his plan of redemption, and since his plan is a global plan, your church needs to think beyond your city limits, or we might say, beyond the walls of this community within the city. So I've had the special blessing of watching Jeff and Denise grow as friends, husband and wife, parents, ministers in the Bridges family, advocates for the broken, encouragers of many. May their light continue to shine as others see their good works, all to the glory of God our Father in heaven. I'm going to take advantage of the step also, though. First time I've ever been taller than you. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul said this, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. I want to talk about Jeff's aroma this morning. Not his odor, <laughs> but his aroma. I have been around Jeff a lot in the last 12 years. Boat trips, Bible studies, rummage sales, card games, sporting events, elders meetings, breakfasts. And so I've, uh, I've experienced Jeff's aroma. And I want to talk about Jeff's and Denise's aroma this morning. What is that aroma? It's the aroma of a slave. Jeff has always recognized that as a follower of Christ, he is, as Paul describes, a slave of righteousness. And that has been my experience with Jeff and Denise. They are always concerned with what's the right thing to do. They live lives of integrity. What is the obedient thing to do? What would God uh, ask us to do in this situation? I always, always count on Jeff to point me in a direction <clears throat> of obedience. Not where my heart wants to go, which might be mischief or selfishness or laziness or anger or hatefulness, but to obedience. Jeff's aroma is of a slave. It's also the aroma of a servant. Jeff and Denise's hearts are always... Hearts of servants, hearts that put other people's first. And, and no task is too menial for them, whether it's blowing up balloons, uh, rummage sales <clears throat> for people going on mission trips, helping people move, 
watching the Harvey's house when they go to Mexico. Uh, <clears throat> Jeff and Denise are always thinking of others and they're always encouraging us to think the same way, to be servants. Duroma of a seer. Jeff loves to sit down with people, especially young people, and talk about their lives and sit to them and vision what's God's, what's God's direction for their life. How does God want them to grow? What does God want them to, how does God want them to serve them? Perhaps it's to be a better student or a better parent or a better coach or a better boss or a better steward. Most of all, a better, better testimony. It's the aroma of a shepherd. Jeff loves guiding and caring for the sheep that God has put in his life. Jeff and Denise are true lovers of other people. They're true lovers of people. Jeff and Denise have been second fathers and mothers to many of our kids. I can remember a year or two ago, I needed a a laptop, and Jeff wanted to go shopping with me for that. And that was great in and of itself, but but Jeff and Denise go the extra mile. That wasn't enough for Jeff. Jeff says, hey, I'm good at setting this up. Why don't you let me take it home, and I'll set it up. And uh, we'll pretend that it's Justin's, and you guys come over later, and we'll surprise Evan Ray and tell her it's actually hers. <laughs> that, that's like <clears throat> standard, that kind of thing is standard operating procedure for the whites, those kinds of expressions of love. And Jeff, I also appreciate that as a shepherd, you're always encouraging others, me, to continue running the race. Jeff, you are... You are a shepherd of aspiring shepherds. And I've been an aspiring shepherd, and you have been a shepherd to me. Um, (laughs) I can't tell you how many times, either in person or in phone or on text, I am sending Jeff messages that say something like this. Just being weary of trying to live the Christian life, trying to do the right thing. And, uh, And I can count on Jeff with his Galatians 6, 9 nudge, one of his favorite verses, which I'll read. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. I think, I think Jeff, I think it got to the point where I started realizing before I even pushed send on my whining text that that was going to be your response. So eventually I stopped sending those texts because I had finally gotten the message, so I really appreciate that. Um, And closely related to the aroma of a shepherd, it's the aroma of a seeker. Jeff truly seeks out wayward and lost sheep. I came back to BFOR 12 years ago because Jeff sought me out at pretty much my lowest point, I was a man in the process of losing his marriage and wondering what the fate was going to be of my three-year-old daughter. And Jeff sought me out. And Jeff not only seeks people out, but Jeff is willing to make himself vulnerable in doing that. I have watched Jeff 
be seeking other brothers out and being rejected by them. So Jeff and Denise, I guess to sum it up, in being slaves and servants and shepherds and seekers, you've allowed us not only to experience your aroma, but the aroma of the Savior. And as much as it's capable of doing this on behalf of this body, we want to thank you for doing that, for allowing us to experience that. And going back to the verse I quoted, I read when I started, that the first part of that, not the part that talks about the aroma, the first part of that is it says that God always leads us and he always goes before us. And so Jeff and Denise, know that as you take your ministry to Sandals, know, and as you continue, which I know is your desire, to give people, as I like to say it, just a sniff of Christ, just a sniff of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Just be confident that as he went before you here, he's going to go before you there at Sandals. And I just want to end, actually, if I may, a verse to our body. And that comes from Philippians 4.9, where Paul says this. He says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, <clears throat> practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. And as Tom already mentioned, I know that some of us, as we sit here today, it's mixed feelings, Right? There's just this sense of regret and sadness. And if you're feeling that, I think it's probably because you have experienced some of the aroma of the whites that I've tried to describe. And I would just, I would exhort and encourage you to take that the next step. And I think Jeff and Denise would agree with me when I say this, that you've been blessed by them, then you've learned from them. And if you've learned from them, then put those things into practice. You know, it's funny, when I, read, when I read this to Evan Ray last night, she jumped right on this. She said, well, you need to say this then. If, put those things into practice. She says, what's that thing that Mr. White opened? Yeah, <clears throat> don't just think about it about it. Jeff and Denise, on behalf of the entire Family Bridges, we just want to thank you for just allowing us to experience the aroma of Christ in your life. I'm going to ask Jeff and Denise and the family to go ahead and Sit down. We're going to make a transition in our time of worship. Thank you, uh, Mark. Thank you, Charlie, for those words. Um, my sense is just in a special way, the Holy Spirit is present with us this morning. Um, and as we 
go into musical worship. In fact, why doesn't the worship team come on up right now? That there's an invitation from God for us to worship the one from whom that aroma emanates. We praise God for Jeff and Denise, but the aroma that Mark referred to in the scripture says it's the aroma of Christ. It's because they've been around Jesus. They've followed closely to him. And that same aroma that we smell and we take in from the whites, it's the same aroma uh, that Christ is putting on all of us as we're close to him. As we come to worship right now, let's worship the one who smells so sweetly of life and hope and courage and peace and new beginnings. Do join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for our brother and sister, their family, and we thank you that who they are is because they've gotten close to you. And the aroma of the living God experienced in the risen Christ is available not just to them, that it spills over the white family, but to each one of us and in this body. We come to worship you, the living God, this morning. Open our hearts to give you praise and glory and worship and speak to us, Lord, even now. Amen. Morning. Taking out my glasses, I will not be able to see Jeff or Denise. Just my notes. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom, my mom called me Spock because I really didn't have emotions and stuff. Jeff calls me Eeyore. So I don't know what the deal is with that. But it's, you know, beginning to hit me what's going on here, you know. Uh, first memory I have of Jeff and Denise is uh, when I was, for a year, I was the youth pastor here. They didn't really like me, so they fired me but, uh, as youth pastor. But Denise was a senior in high school, and there was this guy that kept hanging around the youth group, kept trying to get rid of him, but... He hung around. I remember uh, Christine and I went to the mission field, and we came back in 1999. We were coming back, and we were flying uh, Japan Airline. And we fly into Osaka, Japan. And we get off the plane to change, you know, because if you're flying Japan from Bangkok, you go to Japan first, and then you come. You know, I said, we get off the plane, and we're going into the waiting room where you wait for your next plane. And and I'm looking up ahead, and, hmm, that guy looks, that, from behind, that guy could be Jeff White. And I keep walking, that is Jeff White. There's Jeff and Denise and his family in the Osaka airport. And uh, they had been in Japan and were visiting one of our, our missionaries in Japan at the time. Jeff and Denise have a heart for the world, and I, I hope you know that. They, that was the first time, I, don't, I think that was your first trip, their first trip in 1999 in, into Japan, and they've been to... Lots of places since, Haiti and Ethiopia and Costa Rica and Mexico and many places, taking the, the gospel to the world. When we, I came back and came on staff here, it was Bridges then when I came on staff, had been Bible Fellowship, and uh, I just, during my time on staff from, from day one to, to today, uh, Jeff and Denise were partners in ministry. You know, something came up, who are you going to call? Not the Ghostbusters, Jeff White. 
Denise White. They were always willing, always willing to serve, just echoing some of the things that have been said there, and I'm, I'm a little stressed, because who am I going to call now? Well, I'm, I'm going to call one of you, just so you know, because <laughs> that's how it works. I was on staff with Denise. She was, on, she was our body life coordinator, and just uh, an elder team with Jeff, and it's a great couple, and uh, really enjoyed the time with them. And I just want to take this time uh, to, to speak a little bit directly to them, and you guys can listen in. One of the clearest themes in all of Scripture is that when God has a mission to accomplish, he chooses a human being, a person, to accomplish that mission through. I hope we've seen that, uh, you guys that come here regularly. Hope you've seen that in the life of Abraham over the past several months. God chose Abraham to be the father of a new people. And throughout scripture we see the same thing. God chose Joseph to save his people from, from famine. God chose Moses to deliver his people from Egypt. God chose Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. God chose many judges, Deborah and Samson and Gideon and more, to rescue his people from, the, from their own sin. And from their enemies. God chose David to be the king of his people. He chose the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi. To deliver his message and call his people to repentance. And after God chose his son to accomplish what only he could do. Sacrificing himself for your sin and mine. God continued to choose people to carry out his purposes. God chose the apostles including the Apostle Paul, to lead in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth and to make disciples that would continue to all nations. And God continues to choose people to accomplish his purpose. Sometimes those purposes are general. All who are new creatures in Christ, Paul says, 1 Corinthians, are are chosen to be his ambassadors, his representatives, To a lost world. And sometimes those purposes, though, are are more specific. Ephesians 4.11. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or, or pastors, and teachers. Sometimes God chooses a person for a specific ministry. And today, we're commissioning, we're committing to, we're sending, we're blessing Jeff and Denise to a specific ministry that God's called them to. We're commissioning Jeff, along with Denise, to be the family and adult ministry director at Sandals Church. And in many ways, this is a new ministry for Jeff. He'll be in a new place, be with new people. It'll be a full-time job with, with new responsibilities. But, the most imp- but in the most important ways, this isn't new to Jeff. For many years, Jeff has been a faithful leader, a shepherd, a pastor, an elder, and a teacher here at at Bridges. And now God's calling him to to take those gifts, the gifts that God has developed within him, to a new place. And we at Bridges want to acknowledge that. We want to bless that. We want to bless what God is doing and, and commission Jeff and Denise, their family, to this ministry to this new yet familiar ministry. We want to send both Jeff and Denise out to serve the Lord, as they always have, but in another place. 
So as I prepared the message for this morning, I was specifically thinking of, of Jeff and Denise. I decided not to continue our study in the God of Abraham this week. And instead, I chose a passage from John 15. Because, because I know this passage has special significance for Jeff. He helped lead a men's study based on the principles of this chapter. He preached a sermon based on this chapter. The title of the sermon is Abide. He preached it on November 22nd, 2009. It's still online if you want to go listen to it. But more than that, Jeff seeks to live by the principles found in John chapter 15. Principles we're going to look at today. These principles aren't new to Jeff. So as I, I called Jeff and Denise to apply these principles in their new ministry, I don't do this because, because they aren't currently applying these in their lives. I do this as a reminder, as an encouragement, and a challenge to him, to Denise, to myself, and, and to each person here. This, this message isn't for Jeff only. It's for every person who's chosen by God. Every person who's appointed to bear fruit. And that brings us to the, the main verse that we want to look at today. John fifteen six. Jesus said to his disciples, and to Jeff, and to Denise, and to you, and to me, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that fruit should abide or remain. That sh- fruit should stay. Jesus, first thing we want to talk about is the fact that Jesus chose you. Jesus says to the 11 apostles and to every follower from that day, including Jeff and Denise and you and I, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, this, this verse does emphasize, sorry, I'm going to say this here, this, the theological truth of election. If you don't know what that means, that's, that's okay. That God chooses us, not vice versa. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It's true that no one, not Jeff or you or me, would have ever chosen Jesus without Jesus first revealing himself To us, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, blinded by the God of this world, condemned to experience God's holy wrath until we were chosen. And we should be humbled. And we should be grateful for that. But I don't think that's the, the point that Jesus is making here in John 15. Remember, this conversation is taking place where? Jeff quiz. Garden of Gethsemane. In just hours, Jesus would be arrested. He would be put on trial and crucified. He's concerned for his disciples. He's seeking to give them words of comfort. Words that would get them through the difficult times that would come. Words that would sustain them as they would lead a new movement. A new movement without him being there physically present among them. So he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. To really understand what he's saying, I think it's helpful if we turn that statement around. What if Jesus had said, 
I didn't choose you, you chose me. What would that mean? Wouldn't Jesus, Jesus be saying, I'm not really responsible for you. You wanted to come along. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask you. If the going gets tough, don't come crying to me. It was your choice, not mine. If you fail, it doesn't really reflect on me because I didn't choose you. You chose me. But Jesus says the exact opposite. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And so the meaning is the exact opposite. Jesus says, I am responsible for you. I invited you to come along. If the going gets rough, please come crying to me. It's my choice, not yours. If you fail, it reflects on me because I chose you. You were and are my choice, so I take full responsibility for you. My honor is at stake in the work that I'm giving you to accomplish. Jesus is encouraging his disciples with the fact that he's responsible for them. He's letting them and Jeff and us know that his honor is at stake in the success he chooses us because he chose us for his work. Kind of like when you recommend someone for a job. You write a reference for someone. I've recommended a number of people. I've said, put my name on the application at PCN. That's Jeff's company. And so every once in a while, so how's Travis doing? How's Ashley doing? How, oh, they're doing good. Okay, I feel good. I, I recommended them. You know, I said they'd be good. Jesus recommends us. He chose us. And so Jeff, Denise, you can be sure Jesus Christ will use all of his power all of his ability, and it is mighty to make you fruitful in ministry. He will not ignore your cry for help because he chose you. Any plea, any prayer according to his will will be answered. His reputation is on the line. Therefore, I I charge you to firmly hold to the truth that you are chosen by the Lord, knowing that his reputation... His honor is at stake in your life. Knowing that he's on your side. His desire is for your success in life and in ministry. Knowing that he is at work in and through you. We need to let that sink into our soul. And let it cause us to experience great freedom and humility in ministry. Freedom For you know that Jesus Christ chose you and wants to work in and through you. And humility. For you know that it's only because Jesus chose you and is working through you that you can accomplish anything of lasting value. And that brings us to our our second point. What we accomplish with lasting value. Jesus chose you for a purpose. You're chosen to bear fruit. And I have appointed you that you go and bear fruit. Bearing fruit is the goal of of your ministry and our ministry and any ministry. And it's important to understand what the scripture means by bearing fruit. So I have three questions I want to ask and answer about fruit bearing. First, what is it? What is fruit bearing? To bear means to, to bring forth. So what is the fruit we're called, we're commanded to bring forth? 
What does Jesus want to to see happen in and through the lives of his disciples, in and through the life of Jeff and Denise and you and I? I believe the context of this passage and what we see the disciples actually go on to accomplish answers this question. First, bearing fruit begins with loving people. I think we understood from uh, the testimonies we heard that, that Jeff and Denise love people. And where does that love come from? I think we heard that too. And Jesus says it here in John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus had said in verse 4, abide in me. Now he says, abide in my love. Abiding in Jesus means abiding in his love. Jeff, you must abide in the love of Jesus Christ. Know that Jesus not only chose you, but he loves you. He loves you beyond measure. Know that his love is unconditional and unsurpassed. Know that he wants only what's best for you. Best for your life. Best for your ministry. Best for sandals. His love is an amazing thing. Relish in it. Enjoy it. But most of all, trust it. Trust that God in Christ Jesus is at work for your good because he loves you. When ministry gets hard and people get difficult, you guys know ministry would be really easy if there were no people. Jeff has said that to me often, behind the scenes, just kidding. Lean on the one who loves you, who loves you like like no one else can or will. And then, by knowing and experiencing his love, you have the power, you have the freedom to bear the fruit of loving others. Jesus says this in, in verse 12 of John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another. And he doesn't put a period there. He says, as I have loved you. Jesus commands us to love, but only because we're abiding in his love. Only because he's loved us. We have no hope of loving others unless we abide in the love of Christ. This chapter, the theme of this chapter, it's about abiding and fruit bearing. If we abide, if we remain in the love of Christ, then we bear the fruit of loving one another. Bearing fruit means loving one another. It means letting the love which we constantly receive from abiding in Christ flow through us and out to others for for their benefit. It means putting others ahead of ourselves like Jesus put us ahead of himself. It means doing what is best for others, even when it's hard for us. It means late nights and difficult conversations. It means generous giving and so much more. So Jeff, as as you take on this position of family and adult ministries director at Sandals Church, I don't don't know exactly what your job description is, but I do know that it has to begin with abiding in the love of Christ. And then filled with the love of Christ, loving those that God gives you responsibility for, the staff that you're going to supervise, the adults and families at Sandals Church, all who God puts in your path. Be a man who's known for his love for people. 
Because it's your love for people that will lead to fruit in their lives. It will lead you to do the most loving thing you can possibly do to anyone. It will lead you to make them a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is the fruit that abides. This is the fruit that remains. This is what we see the disciples and Paul doing throughout the rest of the New Testament. This is the fruit they begin to produce. In love, they share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. And in love, they, they helping them grow, grow in their faith and their love for Jesus Christ. Be and make disciples that love enough to reach out and make a difference in the world. Take this with you, Jeff. Equip world changers. I know this is a passion of your heart. You helped us figure that out. As a church, Jeff truly believes that God has called him to make disciples for Jesus Christ, to equip world changers. One of the verses he loves to quote is 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Jeff, in your new ministry, do what God has made you passionate about. Bear the fruit of disciple-making, being that example of what it means to follow Christ. Let the love you have, which comes from Christ, flow through you in such a way that people want to know the source. Then turn them to the source, Jesus Christ, that they too might become his disciples. So we know what fruit-bearing is. It's allowing Christ's love to flow through you into the lives of people in such a way that they see Christ in you and desire to be his disciple. And and finally, bearing fruit that remains means helping people to become disciples of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we bear fruit? Jesus in John 15 gives the answer with one word. We've said it. We'll say it again. He says it ten times. Abide. First, we must abide in Christ. Abide in me and I in you, he says in verse 4. Keep yourselves attached closely, attached permanently to the vine. Jesus said in verse 5 of John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides, remains, stays in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything you do, you try to do, Jeff, must be done by abiding in Christ, by consciously depending on Jesus Christ to enable you in every situation. This is the most important thing I believe I have to say to you this morning. You must make it your goal for the rest of your life to continually experience what it means to abide in Christ. It's the the key, the secret of all fruitful ministry. So what does it mean to abide in Christ? We've already looked at one thing it means, but it's worth repeating. Verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Abiding in Christ means abiding in His love. Christ's love for you is His commitment to keep you 
in everything that's good for you, to lead you in everything that's good for you. So abiding in his love means constantly receiving all the good that Christ has to offer you. It means always trusting that he is doing what is good for you. There's great joy and freedom in ministry when you're confident of Christ's love. When you're confident that in every aspect of your ministry, in your supervision of staff, in your teaching of God's word, in your leading, in your making disciples, the Lord of all loves you. He wants what's best for you. Believing that and acting on that means to abide in the love of Christ. And it will lead you to fruit that remains. So Jeff, abide in Christ by abiding in his love for you. The second way we abide in Christ is found in verse 7. And, and, and I'm not saying that these are two separate ways. These go together. We're separating them only to talk about them. But they have to go together. You're not going to do one without the other. The second thing is to abide in the word and prayer. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Abiding in Christ means allowing, letting, taking in his words, allowing them to abide in you. Notice how these two things come together. The the word abiding in you and answered prayer. Jeff, here's the most important battlefront in your ministry. The most important battle you will face. You might think the most important battle would be some difficult person that comes into your life. But let me say from biblical and personal experience, you'll experience the most difficulty when you ignore the word of God in prayer. Therefore, you must fight, fight, to give the word and prayer priority in your life. And it won't come easy. It doesn't come easy. Distractions and meetings and problems will crowd it out at every opportunity. You have to resist everything that would pull you away from serious study of God's word. Study more than ever before, Jeff. You must allow for prayerful meditation to let the word of God sink in you, to abide in you. You have to memorize and meditate on the word of God. You must pray through it, letting it become one with your heart and with your soul and with your mind. You have to abide in it. When when you truly abide in the word, you'll believe it, you'll love it, and it'll be seen in your daily life. Your life will be filled with love and joy and peace and the righteousness that God's word can bring. Also, the word will will not abide within you if you're in a hurry. We uh, pastors and, and others deceive ourselves when we think we can replace doing good, obeying commands with the word and prayer or replace doing good. We think we're doing good, and so we don't take time in God's word and prayer. Or when we quickly read a passage and say a short prayer on the run, John Piper said, holy, powerful, life-changing, spiritual men of God are not made on the run. We deceive ourselves if we believe that we are mighty men who God will use to bear fruit if we do not truly abide in Christ, abide in his word, abide in prayer. So Jeff and 
cliff, I, I charge you, I charge myself to spend extended periods of time alone with the Lord. Take your Bible, a notebook, allow the Lord to speak to you like never before, to guide you and lead you and direct you and pour his love into your heart that you can go into ministry charged with the love of Christ. This is not easy in our distracted, oriented, get it done, yesterday culture. The word and prayer can be easily crowded out by a long list of external tasks. Most of the tasks are, we're doing, we want to do them, and, and when we do them, people think we're, we're doing good, we look good to others. But if you want to bear lasting spiritual fruit, there aren't any shortcuts. You have to be a man of God's word and prayer. Now we could end there, and maybe with time we should, but I'm not. Sorry. We know what fruit bearing is, loving people, that they become disciples of Christ. And we know how to accomplish it. Abide in Christ. Abide in his love. Abide in prayer. But there's one final thing, one final important thing that that Jeff and all of us need to understand. And that's why we bear fruit. Why we bear fruit. We gotta get the motivation. Sometimes we know why we're doing it. Um, Excuse me, we know what to do. But we, we, we don't know why we're not motivated. So let me quickly go through this. First, We bear fruit for the good of others. This is pretty obvious. won't spend much time here. The best thing you can do for other people is to love them and lead them to Jesus. The second reason for bearing fruit is is also pretty clear to those that have done it. If you've been a fruit bearer, this is going to be clear to you. For your joy. Jesus makes this clear in verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Abiding in Christ, bearing fruit that remains is the ultimate way to experience complete joy in your life. The Bible says, the Bible says it and it can't be denied by personal experience. Jeff, I know you know this because we've talked about it. And you've experienced it as God has used you in the lives of people. Loving and and discipling those that God puts in your path. But as you've also said to me, We just aren't that smart. People. Not not Jeff and I. We're pretty smart. People aren't that smart. We need to be reminded. So always remember the greatest joy in life. And this is what we forget. Let me just point this out. This is what we forget. This is what I forget all the time. Because I know if I reflect back on sharing the gospel with someone, leading someone to Christ, truly loving, putting out self-sacrifice in myself and loving someone else, I remember the joy that that brings, but we forget it so easily. So I call us to remember. I call Jeff to remember. I call myself and us to remember. If we want to bear fruit that remains, that will bring great joy to your life. So the first two reasons for fruit bearing are pretty clear. For for the good of others, for our joy. But I, I think the third gets lost, even though I believe it's the most important. We bear fruit for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Verse 8, Jesus makes it clear. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Couldn't be much clearer than that. Showing yourself to be my disciples. God is glorified when we bear much fruit. God displays his glory when we truly love one another. When we put the needs of others above our own. 
For it's only through the power of God that this is possible. It's only by the fact that we're abiding in the love of Christ that we can love others. So the love that Jeff will display, the love that he has displayed, the love that we display, glorifies God because he's loving through us. It's only through the power of of his spirit working in and through us that we're able to to make disciples of Jesus Christ. When we self-sacrificially love with the power of God, we put God's glory on display. That's what our God is like. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, Therefore, Jeff, your chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And you do that by abiding in Christ and bearing lasting fruit. And with that, I'd like to turn the service back over to to Tom, who will continue to lead us as we commission Jeff into his new ministry. Dan, why don't you come up here? I can ask Jim and Cliff to come up. Actually, Mark and Charlie, would you come up too? Fifteen years ago, the leadership of Bridges Christian Fellowship, then Bible Fellowship of Riverside, was approached by the leadership of a new church plant in town called Sandals Church. And they asked for some help. And the leadership of Bible Fellowship of Riverside or Bridges Christian Fellowship provided some help to this new church uh, in helping to incubate it in the form of some facilities use, some administrative support, and some wise counsel and encouragement from the leadership of the church at that time. Today we stand here 15 years later and we come alongside Sandals Church not to offer that kind of support for an embryonic sort of burgeoning church, but to come alongside a church that God has fueled to have impact in our community and to commission Jeff and Denise to go serve there and to see that church's influence and impact increase and broaden. I've asked uh, Dan this morning to share with us a little bit about their thankfulness, his own thankfulness and gratitude for uh, Jeff and Denise as we prepare to send them to Sandals Church. Dan? Well, I'd like to first thank uh, Tom and uh, Cliff for, for having me out today and, and being a part of, uh, of this celebration to send, uh, send out the White family. I think when a church is done uh, well in the way God has designed it, uh, we experience family. And what I've experienced here today is, is a family that loves one another and obviously loves the White family. And so um, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am truly grateful to be here and just be a part of, of what's happening today. And so uh, just a few things I wanted to share about Jeff and, and how Jeff landed in uh, the role that he's stepping into to Sandals. So uh, th- this story actually goes back a, a few years, uh, about two to two and a half years ago. We had opened up a, a job at Sandals for a family ministries director and uh, after several months of recruiting and interviewing, we had determined that we, we did not find uh, the right person, the person that was, called, that was being called to, to Sandals. So um, at that point, we, we closed the job after about six or seven months of, of recruiting and interviewing. And 
uh, about a year or so later, we opened the job back up, this family ministry director job. Uh, And at the time, I had decided to add uh, some additional responsibility to the job. So not only managing and leading and serving our our families, uh, babies through youth, but also overseeing our men's, women's, and marriage ministry. All of that would be added to this new role that we had opened back up about six months ago. Um, and many people said, hey, that's, that's you know, an impossible skill set to find someone to lead and serve in all those areas. Um, but I, I charged forward anyway, and we put, put the job out. We opened it up uh, to the church. We started interviewing lots of candidates uh, inside the church and outside the church. And still, uh, as of uh, several months ago, we did not find the person we felt was called to, uh, to this particular job. And then something very important happened. I'd say probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three or four months ago, uh, Pastor Matt Brown, who, who leads Sandals, who started Sandals 15 years ago, was sitting down for, for lunch with, uh, with Jeff. Uh, and he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And two, two specific prompts in that lunch meeting that I want to share with, with you guys today. And the first was uh, the Holy Spirit said to, to Pastor Matt that you're sitting across from a pastor. That, that was the first thing. And that was the first significant thing that Pastor Matt heard. Then the second thing that Pastor Matt heard was you should talk to, to Jeff about this role at, uh, at Sandals. And, and that really began the process uh, several months ago of Jeff uh, interviewing with uh, our staff, our team, our pastors. It's been an exhaustive process, as he might have told you, over the last several months. And um, what I wanted to share with, with you guys today about um, what God has done to make all of this work and happen um, providentially, is, is two, two things. Um, number one, that, that God was calling Jeff, and that call became clear as he spoke to Pastor Matt, that he was calling Jeff to full-time ministry at Sandals. That, that was number one. And then number two, what I want to share with all of you is that I had actually called around to many people that I knew, that knew Jeff. Uh, I wanted to find out what they would uh, you know, say about Jeff. And they, they said a lot of things that were, were common. And, and the first thing was that people said Jeff was a tremendous leader. Uh, he was very gifted. He had great experience. Um, he was a great servant. Um, but the other thing that they said that was really the, the absolute consistent thread across all of the feedback was that he was a man of great character uh, and great integrity. Great character and, and great integrity. And so um, that is really important to me for, for a lot of reasons as we think about our church and our staff and the leaders of our church. And what I'd like to do is just very quickly jump into Scripture. If you would turn, if you have your Bibles with you, to First Timothy, First Timothy 3. I'm going to start in verse 2. Uh, and... Paul is writing to Timothy, describing the qualifications of an overseer or uh, a church leader, better yet, a, a pastor. And uh, what, I wanted, what I want you to do, I want to encourage you to do, is as I'm reading through Scripture, think about uh, what Paul is writing through the lens of who Jeff is and who you know him to be. Okay, I'm going to read through this, starting in, in verse 2. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise, exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. He must be able to teach. Verse 3, he must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle 
not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he, how can he take care of God's church? Verse 6. An elder must not be a new believer, because he might become proud, and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him, so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. And as I have read through 1 Timothy 3 over and over again over the years, um, I've got to tell you that, you know, in the final kind of analysis, and as we really prayed through this for months now, um, I think Jeff is, is being described in this scripture, the qualifications of a pastor, this great calling um, that God puts on certain people's life. Um, and, and for that reason, we are so thankful, so thankful as a church and as a body to receive Jeff uh, into this role to lead our family ministries, our men's and women's and marriage ministries. Um, obviously, we care so deeply about families at Sandals, and we believe that Jeff has uh, been called into this role, um, but he also has this great character that's going to help him to, to be successful there. And the other thing I wanted to say in closing is there was one more final thread in all of those conversations with friends of mine who, who knew Jeff, and they all said uh, typically towards the end of the conversation that if we were to hire Jeff, we would not just be getting a, a great man, but we'd be getting someone that's perhaps even more special in, in his wife, uh, Denise, um, as well as their children and family as a whole. And so um, we are so excited not just for Jeff, uh, but for Denise as well, to just be a part of what God is doing at Sandals. Um, and I just want to close in saying thank you, um, for the body of Bridges, for uh, loving the White family, for taking care of them. Uh, know they're in good hands. Know that uh, they are joining a, a group of other people who are uh, joining God on mission to do things here uh, locally and throughout the world. And um, I just wanted to give you my sincerest uh, thanks and love for myself, Pastor Matt Brown. Uh, and the whole team at Sandals. So, thank you. We're going to pray for Jeff and Denise, but before we do that, I asked um, these guys to come up here to actually gather around Dan, because I want us to pray for Sandals. I want us to pray that their church would have more impact in Riverside. I want us to pray that their church would see more people coming to faith, more marriages being strengthened and healed, more people finding hope, more people's lives being transformed, that the ministry of Sandals Church would expand beyond our city and around the world. It's right for us to pray that for Sandals Church, and actually it's right for us to pray that for every church in Riverside. I don't know what you do when you drive around town and see churches. We're so blessed in the neighborhood I live in near UCR. There's, I could walk to seven churches. It's not like that around the world. Uh, but might it be that when we see a church that we might go drive by and pray, Lord, bless that church, bless the leaders in that church, make that church have more impact in that neighborhood. Might that be the kind of mindset that we have as part of the body of Christ in our city? And so I want us to take this time with Dan here to pray uh, those kinds of prayers and those kinds of hopes for Sandals Church. So I'm going to pray. Would you guys just lay your hands on Dan? And uh, in doing so, we're praying for him, but we're praying for the body at Sandals. Lord, thank you for Sandals Church. Thank you for um, its impact in our city. Thank you for each of the people who's worshiping there today, who has been a part 
in some way of that congregation over the years who have come to faith, who know Jesus, uh, and uh, who are now followers of the risen Lord. Thank you for uh, the vision for unity in that body, among the staff uh, and among the people. We pray that it would be a church that, with its vision, uh, to have realness, authenticity, lack of pretense, transparency, genuineness at the core of its very DNA. We pray that would be ever more so the case. And we pray that as people are part of that body, that their open lives before you and one another would be um, the basis and the place for you, Holy Spirit, to come and bring about transformation and bring about wholeness and completeness, that those men and women in that place under your tutelage and in your hands would then be able to be world changers themselves who turn and give witness and testimony to the power of God in their lives and that others would look and see, ah, God is in their midst. I want some of that. So we pray, Jesus, that you would um, provide for this body. You give them more leaders as they need that and that you would bless them to be a blessing to our city, to our state, and around the world to the nations. Bless our brother Dan in the role that you've given him. We pray that you'd sustain him, support him, and that the abiding love of Christ with which Cliff preached this morning would be his daily experience. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And together we say, Amen. All right. Well, now we'll turn to uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, Jeff and Denise and their family. We want to pray for them. And the way we want to do that is we're going to ask you guys to step into the middle of the aisle here, Jeff and Denise and family. You can do that right now. And, um, and then I'm going to ask Jim and Cliff uh, to pray. And I'm going to ask the rest of us to just move to the center. So you may not be able to get your hand on them or get close to them, but get as close as you can. And this is our expression of love and affection and hope in the Lord for them. And I'll ask Jim. First, I'm going to ask Dan to pray for them. Then I'm going to ask Jim and finally Cliff. And what you can do as you gather around them is to agree before the Lord in your heart and mind for the prayers that are being spoken. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this this wonderful day of celebration of the work that you've done in and through Jeff, not just in their family, not just in this body, God, and, and not just in this community, but throughout the world. God, you have used them to change lives. God, you have used them to usher people towards Jesus. And so for that, Father, we are so thankful and we celebrate them. We pray a blessing over them today, God. We pray that your hand would continue to beyond their lives, that you would continue to guide them uh, as they abide in you, Father, and they have ears to hear the direction that you want them to go. Uh, we pray that there would be tremendous fruit through not just their works, God, but through their faithfulness as well. And God, I pray a prayer of protection over them. As they enter this season, God, would your angels watch over them, guard them, not just them, but their marriage and their children as well. God, pray for um, just incredible favor, incredible grace and mercy on them as well, that you would use them, Lord, in, in incredible and amazing ways uh, at Sandals, that marriages that are hurting and broken and busted, God, would be restored, reconciled, redeemed all for, God, your purpose and your glory, that little children, Father, that don't know your son, 
perhaps have never heard of Jesus would hear for the first time and would walk towards your son, ultimately into a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Savior. God, would you just use them in amazing ways, in ways that we can't even fathom today. And so, God, in this day, as we commission them and celebrate them, we ask for your love to overwhelm them, that they would know today that they're deeply loved by so many people, that their family is so large, God, it's so beyond perhaps even their own, what their minds can think of. And so bless them in this day, dear God. We love you so, so much. Dear Lord, we are, um, it's a day of rejoicing and a day of sadness, the sadness that we're going to be missing uh, loved ones. It's a day of rejoicing because they get to partake in the ministry of another church and we are all um, working together. Whether we're at this, whether they were at this church or at Sandals, whether in Bridges or um, whatever the community is in town, may we, Lord, um, may it be said of us that we have loved each other well, pointed people to you so that you would be glorified. We are a chosen people by you, like Cliff was talking about. And Lord, we thank you for your great blessing of making us your people. We don't deserve being your people, but we are thankful. And Lord, we we know that as we look at the church's past, it's not very pleasant the way some um, fellow ministers have left one community to another, but may that not be said of us. May it be said that we, um, in Christian love and in your spirit and with your anointing have we have sent our loved ones out and they've been received by our brothers and sisters across town and may we all continue to honor you thank you for the blessings thank you for your love we love you Father, it is good to know that you're a sovereign Lord and that you have your hand upon Jeff and Denise, that you called them and you've chosen them and you're sending them out and you're going with them. And you will be there to encourage and lead and guide them. Lord, thank you for that. And I pray for them. I lift them up into your hands, your loving hands. Lord, I pray that they will depend upon you at every turn. Lord, that they would abide in you, abide in your love for them, and Lord, that every day they would turn uh, to your revelation of yourself and your word, to prayer, that they would be people of love and the word and prayer, and that would just shine forth wherever they are, Father. Thank you for the ministry they will have at Sandals, and we pray you would bless that ministry. Pray you pray you would bless them and through them, that they would be a blessing uh, to Sandals. 
Go ahead and head back to your seats. We're going to move towards closing our service. Cliff's going to bring a short charge to us as a congregation as we close. So we've commissioned Jeff and Denise to this new and exciting ministry at Sandals. And I hope and pray that we at Bridges are, and I believe we are, you know, there's that tug and there's that pain, but I think we're excited about what God will do in their lives. But we're saddened by their departure. And this is totally valid. I'm certainly experiencing it myself. God has used both Jeff and Denise for many years, for many years, in many ways, at BFOR and at Bridges Christian Fellowship and in my own life. But I want to point out one important fact that we can't overlook, that we must not overlook this morning. It was God who used Jeff and Denise in our lives. And God is not leaving us. Yes, he's going with them, but he also remains with us. God can do that like no one else can. John 15.6 is just as true for you and I as it is for Jeff, for Denise. You did, you did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you, each of you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that fruit should abide. If you're a follower of Christ, then you can be sure that he chose you. He appointed you that you should bear fruit that remains. As we who remain commit ourselves to abiding in Christ, abiding in his love, abiding in his word, abiding in prayer, God will use us to bear fruit, lasting fruit, fruit that will remain, fruit that will be for the good of others, fruit that will be for our joy, and fruit that will ultimately bring glory to God. The question we have to ask ourselves is where is God calling us to bear fruit that abides? Jeff and Denise have been called to the family and adult ministries at Sandals. And because Jeff and Denise were such a key part of our, our church, they're leaving, a, if I can picture, a, an empty, don't call it empty, a ready-to-fill fruit basket behind, a large one. The question is, who among us will step forward to fill that basket? Where is God calling you to bear fruit? Who is God calling you to love self-sacrificially? Who is God calling you to share the gospel with? Who is God calling you to make a disciple for Jesus Christ, to share the truth of God's love with them, to help them grow in their love for Christ and in their faith? Who is God calling you to step out into their lives, into ministry? Where is God calling you to serve others for the sake of the gospel? These are hugely important questions for our body. How will God use us as individuals and as a church to bear much lasting fruit? I would encourage you today to seek God for answers these questions for personal answers. We'll be leading in this, continue to lead in this, but personally, where is God leading you? To abide in Christ, to abide in his love, to abide in his word and prayer, that we might be known as a people who bear much fruit 
much eternal fruit for Jesus Christ. Now let me close with a final char- challenge for, from Jeff White to Bridges Christian Fellowship. Mark didn't say it quite right, but he tried, and we give him an A for effort. I think I have good reason to believe these are words that Jeff would leave, leave us with since he said it to me a zillion times. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Or, or now that we have talked about it, we must be about it. We must use, we must be used by God for his purposes. We must abide in Christ and we must bear lasting fruit. So now I'd just, I'd just like to ask Pastor Dan if he would come one more time and pray for us. Pray for us that we would be people who abide in Christ people that bear much lasting fruit for the good of others, for our joy, and for God's glory. Pastor Dan. Okay, let's pray. Father, I pray for your hand to continue to be on this church and continue to guide this church. As Cliff just spoke about that basket, God, that basket that is waiting to be filled, that your spirit would move in the hearts of this body of the people that are here today. And your spirit would reinforce the truth that each person here has been given gifts from you to be used, God, for your purpose and your glory. And I pray that this church would would step into those opportunities, God, to fill that basket that has temporarily been opened or, or vacated. And through that, God, as those that step forward, fill that basket, using and leveraging the gifts that you have given them, that you would give them great joy and peace and great love. And God, may this church continue to be about abiding in you and an expression of your love, a love so great that you gave your son for, so that as this community and people throughout the world would look at this body, they would see a reflection of Jesus. And through that, God, that people who are far from you would come to know your son and accept him as their Lord and Savior. And so, God, I pray a blessing over this body, over Cliff and the staff, the team, all of the leaders. Pray for protection and favor, grace and mercy. And, God, would you hold the hearts well today of this body that as they go out and they contemplate the the change that's occurring that they would hold on to you, God, and you would hold on to them. Hold them well, God. Be their strength, their comforter. And God, bless them in this day. We love you, Father. We know that you hear these prayers today. And we ask these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.